Hey everybody, there are some minor audio issues with this episode and the next, so please bear with me, I'm trying to get it fixed. I hope you enjoyed this episode though, on with the show. While some projects are created in moments of creativity, others are created over a lifetime. These projects are emphasized even more when the whole family gets involved. This week, join me, Zach Walsh, as I have a talk about the origins of East Coast Trolls with its creator, Tom. This episode's a little different as there's almost 40 years worth of content to cover, but the journey is fascinating. Welcome to Schedule for Launch, a podcast to discover projects that you may have missed. I am very excited about this project this week. Um, as viewers might know, I'm kind of careful with D&D because it's featured a lot. But I think the story around this specific project is really interesting and cool. And so this week, I'm here with Tom from East Coast Trolls. Tom, thank you so much for joining me. Hey, thanks. Thank you for inviting me. It's, yeah, this is something that's really cool, actually. Christian told me about East Coast Trolls, and he was great to have on, and I'm just so excited to have you here. Yeah, he's, uh, I, I, I was really fortunate to run into him in, uh, you know, in kind of the, the virtual world uh, out there with social media. Um, he's a real creative thinker, and uh, I, I like some of the things that he's doing, and so we kind of hit it off. I'm glad to hear it. Like it's it's I love that app and I'm really excited to talk about East Coast Trolls. But what a lot of people might not know is this isn't going to be too heavy focused on the actual project this week. So this is something a little bit special. Yeah, so we're anybody I think anybody who's launched a Kickstarter uh, knows that it can be a real roller coaster ride, right? And um, and there are uh, there's there's lots of real positive lessons uh, that you can learn when you do it. And you know, I I come from a from a large corporate background, um, and and honestly, I I I, I overthought <laughs> our Kickstarter <laughs> launch for our prod uh, for our project. And the community was great. We got some awesome feedback, which is the reason that. Um, we decided to take down the uh, the original Kickstarter and re-engineer it and put it back up based on you know all the all the feedback that we got. But in in running into you, we had discussed uh, previously. This we went from in in the restructuring the Kickstarter, uh, we went from uh, targeting a delivery uh, of of the product, uh, which is a couple of books that yeah. we'll we'll talk about later um, this fall. To really probably take a look at you know Q2 or even early Q3 of next year, uh, because we've 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 scaled it back and slowed it down all at the same time, uh, and and we've done that because we're really trying to drive the costs down, and I think that's actually a really good thing because there's there's not as much pressure uh, with all the team members and and you know again something that we can talk about a little bit later. Um, you know, we've got artists and contributors from all over the world, and, and, and this takes a little bit of heat off those folks. And so I thought it would be a good idea if, you know, we could get together and 
I could tell you a little bit about the genesis of this project and then as we get a little bit closer to the actual launch uh, we can do a deep dive into into the content exactly so this is our first two-part episode that we're going to be doing but the actual east coast trolls episode is going to be coming out later down the line everybody so hold on we're going to talk about the legacy of this project uh, but before we get into that, Tom, can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Sure. I am uh, I, I'm not an incredibly interesting person. I, I just I'll preface it by, by saying that. I'm uh, it, look, I'm, uh, I'm a 55 year old father of six uh, that has wow. been playing Dungeons and Dragons for more than 40 years. Uh, and it, it's somewhat of a uh, of a family tradition now. Because because I'm a very family focused individual, uh, our games have always been that way, and and I think it's important. I think this is a great time to point out, you know, family friendly doesn't mean that it's like watered down. It doesn't mean that um, you know we're trying to you know, push some kind of agenda, uh, which which I think you know a lot of people see when 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 they see family friendly, right? This what 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 we're what we want to do, uh, and, and and what we are doing, is we want to put content out which is just as enjoyable to your thirteen or fourteen year old uh, as it is to a fifty or sixty year old, and and there's a stretch there, and there's a real challenge in that, but I think uh, as you're going to find out, we're really uniquely positioned to be able to do that because. I personally and and you know members of my team and members of my family have have run that entire gamut right uh, we have we were the very young now we are the rather old I'm not gonna say the very old you know but we're but we're the rather old um, and and we still really come together you know from a multi-generational standpoint and it can be a lot of fun we want a game that's more fun to play than it is to watch on YouTube. And I don't want to get in trouble with that statement, right? No, but, no, not at all. But that's but that's exactly that's exactly what we're trying to do here. We we want something that is so enjoyable, um, especially, you know, post COVID, it really gets people back around the table and they can have a really good time with it and there's like no pressure. And and so that's that's why we're we're building the tool set we're building. You know, that's why we've gone so deep uh, from a detail standpoint with with the material. It, it's, it really is like a, a, like a deep world-building exercise. So that's a whole... I, I, I took off, I know. I'm really sorry. It's a whole lot more than just me. But, you know, um, yeah, uh, this is... But this game is actually part of who I am. Um, mm -hmm. And all of the people that I originally played with you know, back in the back in the late seventies and and then in into the early eighties and 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 on from there, I look and I and I see what these people are doing today. And if you get one of our books, you'll see in the dedication page because uh, we kind of list it. Because I find it fascinating that you know back then, I mean, we were the people that got picked on, quite frankly, right? Yeah. Like like the nerds. And you take a look at this group today and. We're talking like, you know, doctors and teachers and professors and, you know, you know, real successful business folks and even your parents and grandparents. And I attribute a lot of my personal success 
to that imaginative creative process that I couldn't have learned anywhere else. So thank you, Gary Gygax. I really appreciate you for introducing it. And, you know, really thank my mom for encouraging it, um, even through some of the, the rough times through the 80s. Yeah, you actually grew up and played D&D during the height of the satanic panic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it, and it really hit close to home, I got to tell you, because, um, you know, I, I had a very I had a very conservative upbringing and uh, uh, I <laughs> I remember having debates, you know, um, not with my parents, uh, but with, like with our with our pastor uh, at, at the church that we attended. Because everybody was like, yeah, Dungeons and Dragons, it is, it, it, it's, it's the gateway drug to hell. I mean, that's, you know, that's, <laughs> I mean, really, that, that's what it was, right? And um, yeah, right up there, right up there with ACDC and Metallica and, and, and you know, uh, all, all those other guys. And it just, I really, that's why I said, you know, I thank my mom because she recognized that it was a real constructive thing for us all to get together, um, even if it did start to turn out to be every single weekend. Um, yeah. You know, to, to, to sit around a table and, I mean, she, she, she saw us play. So, you know, and she was really big into theater uh, and really big into the arts. And she recognized, you know, D&D for what it was, right? I mean... This is a story that you're making up in real time as you're going along, unless you're the dungeon master and, you know, stupid enough to have volunteered for that. Um, my hand's up in the air. Um, <laughs> but it really, it was an excellent mental exercise and it was an excellent social exercise. So, you know, if you're a super awkward, you know, 13, 14, 15 year old, um, you don't, you that awkwardness kind of gets left behind because... You're playing somebody else, right? You're this like big yeah. beefy hero, or or whatever the case may be, and it it, it in a healthy way it kind of takes you out of yourself uh, and enables you to to approach everything, especially your communications and how you communicate with people around that table uh, from a different perspective. And so, yeah, the Satanic Panic was tough. I'll mention, you know, my dad was a police officer and he was actually a Satanic Crimes investigator. Um, oh, wow. wow! And and uh, I go back and I read. He's he's gone now, but you know he he had written a uh, uh, ba basically had written a book uh, that he left behind for his children, so we could really understand what went on for those all those decades. You know that he was working, and some of the stuff was just like we, I look at it now, and I'm like, wow, people really took this seriously. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I grew up during it. It was kind of, it was tough, but we got over it, right? It was, it was just another one of those things. So we're going to go a little bit deeper into what East Coast Trolls really is, but we haven't touched up on it really. For the viewers out there, East Coast Trolls is based around your 40 year old campaign. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yes and no. Right. Okay. So, yeah. so the 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 campaign world that we have that has been developed over the last forty years uh, is a place called Capernia, and the adventures um, uh, that occur uh, in that campaign world are all based on adventures that have we have played out, not just once but multiple times. I mean, I've I've recycled these uh, for <laughs> different generations. 
um, over the last over the last forty years, um, which is a really cool exercise, by the way, because you know getting to play the same game with a whole new group of people and knowing where you screwed up the first time you played it. And I know people are like, oh, you can't screw up. You're the dungeon master. Yeah, you can. Okay, <laughs> you you absolutely you absolutely can. Uh, but you can learn from it. You know, and it helps you to maintain a much better storyline when you do it the second time. East Coast Trolls, uh, the genesis of that was uh, 10-ish years ago. And I was actually between jobs. And and it was the first time we actually thought about taking all this material and putting it together and publishing it. There wasn't Kickstarter or anything uh, back then. It was going to have to be kind of like the, the traditional either the traditional uh, publishing route or, you know, more like a vanity publishing uh, type of try. But in order to do it, again, I was a business person. You know, I needed an entity, a business entity, um, that I could use for all the stuff that nobody really cares about but is necessary when you have a business and you're going to get a product out into into the public domain. And we're all sitting around trying to figure out, you know, uh, what we're going to call this thing. And, uh, and we eventually got around East Coast Trolls, which literally comes from Billy Goat's Gruff and the Trolls Under the Bridge. Um, oh, cool. And, and I thought, and, and we thought it was, I, I thought it was a really cool analogy. Just, you know, taking that, taking that fairy tale, essentially, and, and what it means and, you know, what a troll is. And, and of course... You know, we're all also tossing around the three trolls from The Hobbit because they're everybody's yeah. favorite, you know, favorite bad guy. Uh, and um, and that's how we came up with it. We wanted to be East Coast Trolls. Now, trolls mean something a whole lot different like 10 years later. Um, but but we decided we didn't care. Uh, we were good. This is what we were going to be. And our community are trolls and we're loving it. So East Coast Trolls is the business. That's how you find us on social media, how you find us on the web. And basically it is a, it's a veteran-owned, um, family-run, small publishing house uh, that is working on the Capernia campaign world and the Oak Haven anthologies currently. But we have other projects that we'd like to do, um, both within the D&D realm and within kind of the D&D realm from a children's book standpoint. So there's, there's a lot of different directions that we'd like to take this if we're successful. Um, in the meantime, everybody's got to, you know, pay their mortgage and, and put food on the table. Um, yeah. So, you know, but we're not rushing anymore. We're, we're taking this, the, the slow, steady approach. I think that is totally reasonable and understandable. So one of the big things about East Coast Trolls too, though, and something we got to talk a little bit about when we last spoke is this game's kind of you've played with generations of your family. Yeah. How'd that all start? So yeah, really weird. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I was introduced to this, uh, to Dungeons and Dragons. It was a box set and I, I don't remember the color or what it was. It was 1978. I was at summer camp and a, and an older, uh, camp counselor, uh, older being, pers- you know, put everything in perspective because I was like 13 years old or something like that, 14. And um, he said, hey, you guys want to play a cool game? And it was D&D. And we played it with this box set, basically some character sheets and some dice and pencils. And that was it. And uh, uh, the next year I went back 
and uh, same guy, and he had a player's handbook and a dungeon master's guide, and I, man, I read them in a sleeping bag with a flashlight after lights out. And the first thing I did was look at all the pictures, right? I didn't didn't even read the words. I was, and I was like, oh my goodness, this is incredible. This is awesome, right? And so, you know, from there, you know, I got home. I called my best friend. I said, I have discovered the coolest game. We got to get some people together and start playing. And uh, because I was the person who discovered it and knew more than anybody else, uh, I ended up being the dungeon master um, uh, or game master, as they're, they're calling it today, you know, uh, for, those, for those first games. And once you do that, you're kind of stuck with it. And I, I think anybody who's played this game and has been in that position will sympathize. Um, it's, not a, it's not an easy role to back out of once you're into it. Yeah, the forever DM. Yeah, the forever DM, right? And so, I mean, we would go from house to house, but really it bounced, mainly it bounced back and forth between my house and, and uh, uh, a f- friends of mine that were brothers, Russ and Eric, and uh, I won't give their last names. Um, and they lived the next town over and their mother made like the best English muffin pizzas. She, she, (laughs) no, cause everybody, you also know the main thing about D and D aside from playing the game is eating, right? I mean, there's in snack and she would like load us with snacks. It was awesome going over there. Um, but as, as we were playing, uh, over at my house, my siblings were like, you know, they wanted to get in, and I was the oldest, right? So at first you're like, no, go away, you're, you're bugging us. Um, but as I got older, I'm like, yeah, okay, sure, you want to join the game? And we're, we're a tight, tight family, very, uh, you know, very family-oriented, and I grew up in a multi-generational household. So I grew up with my grandparents, um, and actually I, the house I grew up in was purchased by my great-grandfather, and um, still in the family today, five five generations. Wow. My kids are the fifth generation to grow up in the same area, uh, same property. And um, uh, I said, you know, it, we were going to have a family game night. And I was like, let's do D&D, you know, because everybody else wanted to do like Monopoly or Clue or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think it was my mother who goes, yeah, I think we, we should try this. And like my grandmother got in and she's like, yeah, we should try this. So... For the first time, we had my grandparents and my parents uh, and uh, myself and my siblings around the table, and we played the game. And it was basic, and it was crude, and it was absolutely... And by crude, I, I don't mean like crude, like nasty crude, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it was... It was I, I was... I was doing what DMs do today, man. I was bending the rules and, you know, making it easy for first-timers... And everybody was having a really, really good time because there was, while we were playing, there was like no age gap there, right? It was, everybody was on equal footing and everybody was playing characters that were on equal footing. So it didn't matter that I, you know, whatever I was, 15 years old, 16 years old, and I was running the game. You know, my grandparents, who then were probably in their white, as old as I am today and, and, and older, right? And my folks, and ev- it, literally everybody was having fun. And and I got to I, I, I tell you this story because it's hilarious. I told you my dad was a cop. And um, yes. so we're all sitting around the table. 
and um, and I was kind of feeling my oats too, right? I'm like, it's a game. Let's see how much I can get away with with my parents, right? So, <laughs> so I they ended up in and I characterized it as a house of ill repute, right? Um, oh right. So the whole party is in this bar, uh, in, in essentially I guess, I guess would be a red light district. And because, um, you know, where's a 15-year-old's mind on a every other basis, at least the boys? Um, and so we're, we're all playing this, and we're, we're in the bar, and the phone rings, and my mother gets up, and she answers the phone, and it's the police chief. Not in the town we live in, but the town my dad worked in. And he, and he asked for my father. And... I see this like little like sparkle in my mother's eyes because I'm looking up. My father's looking over and starting to get out of his chair. And my mother says, oh, he can't come to the phone right now. He's in a house of ill repute. <laughs> it was just the look of horror on my dad's face and the look of pure glee on my mother's face uh, was just like it, it was awesome. Uh, it, 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 it really was awesome. And, and you know, my grandparents are, are, are trying not to laugh. Um, and it just, it, it was just one of those, it was a, it was a funny moment. And, you know, we, we relive it, you know, every, every once in a while and, and, and talk about how it was. But I think it was, it was really indicative of just that the the closeness right that that playing a yeah. game like this you know can generate and so anyway i mean it went from there uh, i played a little bit when i was uh, overseas in the army uh i came back and uh, uh and you know got together with my friends every once in a while um you know for for a game night uh kind of deal uh and then i before i knew it i was married and and i had kids of my own uh, and you know, there's probably a, there was a decent size lag in there, which is, which is okay. Cause I think we kind of basically skipped over, um, you know, a uh, second edition, uh, which is good <laughs> cause it really, you know, we didn't miss much. Right. Um, and, uh, by the time my oldest kids, uh, were like, Hey dad, you know, I still had like lead figures up on my bookshelves and stuff and, you know, they'd start asking about it, and they're like, "Yeah, we, we'd like to play that game too." And I'm like, "Oh, that that's easy, right? All I got to do is open the box that you know has reams of papers in it, and start them out, and uh, in in the same spot that that really so many other people had had in the past." And so we did. My oldest is 29. My my youngest is nine, and they're kind of in kind of sorta of in two groups. You know, so the, the first three went through uh, playing with their friends and their friends' friends, uh, and then the, the next set of three got old enough to play, and, you know, here we are almost like 10 years later, and, you know, it's with their groups, and, uh, and, and that's kind of where we are today. And, you know, working with, uh, also, you know, we work with a, with a local middle school and, you know, kind of advise their D&D &D clubs, and it's just, it's a... I guess you know it's a lifestyle. I I, I guess that's the really. I mean, I I think I think that's no, the. No, it makes sense. That's that's kind of that's kind of the it's the best way to put it, and it's not a game of D and D is is you know an evolving story right in in yes. real time, um, but if 
you're gonna if you're uh if you're DM long enough, your game is also ends up being an evolving story and and gets deeper and richer um, the longer you continue to play it. Uh, it doesn't have it doesn't have to be you know it doesn't have to become boring or stale because it's your world right and you can you can make that world as deep and rich as as you want to and you, you know some and then there's nothing wrong with like jumping to another world right um but you know when you think about it uh a world is a big place it's so big it allows for almost infinite diversity um infinite diversity in in characters and encounters um and and anything else that you can possibly think of so i've been i'm i'm really fortunate i i consider myself extraordinarily fortunate to you know have started a story and been able to continue to tell and refine that story over such a long period of time. Capernia is very long, very old now at this point for most games. What does it take to create a campaign setting like that? <sighs> um, you got to be a little nuts. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I think... Yeah, and I get here. I am. I'm, I'm going to end up like airing out all like my dirty laundry and my secrets on on, on your podcast. Um, you know, I'm I'm one of those people who's my my imagination is running all the time. My wife uh, my wife has accused me a couple times of being crazy because she says I'm talking to myself in the shower, and 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 sometimes when I'm talking to myself, it's because I'm. I'm having a conversation and I'm not I'm not nuts, right? But I'm having a conversation between a whole bunch of different characters and like playing that out in my head and 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 refining and refining who they are. Um the the other thing the other thing is it it can't be superficial, right? So I remember, you know, when we first when I first started playing this and started playing it with friends you know, we went down to the local hobby store, which had a, you know, um, a very limited supply of, you know, like dungeon modules, right? Yeah. Things yeah. like, um, you know, uh, like uh, uh, Queen of the Demon web pits, right? And the and uh, the world, Greyhawk was like the first world that I had uh, some exposure to. Um, I had bought that. Uh, and, and quite honestly, the reason that we stopped using those things is we didn't have all that much money to blow on a game, right? Uh, and, and this and this stuff was expensive. And besides, if we had any spare money, what we really wanted was the lead figures, right? Miniatures were, you know, pewter lead back back in the day. And so I started create I started creating this world, um, this setting that that we we're going to play in. And accidentally, not not by not on purpose at all, but quite accidentally, I kind of fell into the same approach um, that that Tolkien used, uh, okay. where if if you're going to start to answer, once players start to ask why's, right? That's you know, like a two year old, you know, you tell a two year old to do something, they go why, and then you give yeah. them an answer, and they go why, right? That D and D players, man. Uh, especially young, younger D and D players are, are the exact same. If you're going to have the answers to those whys, you need a whole lot more than kind of like those, 
the you the typical room, right? You you, you open you open the wooden door and there's two chests and a beat up bunk and and a couple of goblins in a stone room, ten by ten or ten by fifteen. Woohoo! I mean that 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 doesn't give you very much, um, especially when they want to start to know. Well, why you know what? Once they kill the goblins and they're digging around for treasure, they they start to want to know the whys. And to know the wise, even the goblins have to have a backstory, right? And their tribe has to have a backstory and how the tribe got there. And it and it actually starts to build on itself to the point, one of the things that uh, we've had ongoing for the last two years um, is a language project. Oh. We decided to, uh, we decided to build a, uh, a new language, which we refer to as Old Capernian because it, that's written into the narrative um from scratch uh and uh i've got a con linguist on the team um and uh and and some other folks who you know um are not as uh proficient you know or, or professional uh when it when it comes to linguistics uh but our con linguist keeps us on on the straight and narrow and and the reason, the reason that we started building the language in the first place is because we wanted to be able to write our own song. And we wanted the song oh, so cool. to be in a language that, um, that was unique to Capernia. And Capernia language uh, and, the, and the evolution of language and magic and the way magic works is very intertwined. Uh, so to be able to sell that, not sell it dollars wise, but sell that conceptually, we really needed the language, right? We really needed to be able to, you know, if, 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 if you're going to have a, if, if a word or two words ends up being drawn out or can be drawn out into an incantation, it's, it's got to make sense. Um, and, uh, okay, so maybe it doesn't have to make sense. But it's a heck of a lot more fun and more immersive if it does make sense. And I'm like, I'm really, really big on total immersion. Like as deep as I can get people, it's like going to a Marvel movie. You know, you're, you're in there. You know that, you know, uh, they're, you know, that, that those characters can't do those things in real life. But you're willing to, to suspend your grasp on reality so that you can really enjoy that movie and you end up cheering for them right and then people go on social media and complain about why a certain power didn't work man because they bought into it and yeah. and that's and and that's one of the and that's one of the reasons it's taken so long to build Capernia to a point where I actually wanted to publish it is because because in order to get to that level of immersion, you've got to have a huge level uh, of detail. I'm talking oh, too oh, much. No, you're fine. This is—it's an interview podcast. You should be talking. I know. I just—I I really get excited <laughs> about it. You know. Oh, that's what we like to see here, though. Cool. So, East Coast Trolls is still currently in development, and you've increased the team. Can you talk about the team increases? Yeah. So. All right, remember I was saying the very first thing I did when I got my very first copy of... And the b first book was The Dungeon Master's Guide. And yeah. I told you I was... I looked at it uh, you, with a flashlight, you know, under the, on, in a sleeping bag. And I was checking out the pictures. And every 
book that I bought back when it was TSR and then, you know, Wizards of the Coast. And then mm-hmm. all of the all of the content, um, the side content that, that started to get developed and, and now has just gone completely insane in a great way today. The one commonality, good content is good art, right? You gotta have you got and it can't be just good art. It has to be great art, right? Because otherwise, you know, why would somebody actually want a print book anymore, right? Um, yeah, yeah. You want it because you want to be able to open it up and, and look at it and, you know, and, and, and stare at it and feel the pages. So our goal for uh, volume one of uh, the campaign world was, uh, I think, 147 original illustrations. Um, wow. And that's, and, and, you know, again, you know, one of the reasons, one of the reasons that, uh, that we took the uh, first Kickstarter down is it was a very expensive Kickstarter. And yes. I don't think, and, 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 you know, bad on me, uh, cause I'm in charge. Um, I don't think we did a good job in explaining to folks why, um, it was so expensive. Um, and I, and I want to get into the, the minutiae there, but you know, one of the reasons, 147 illustrations, is uh, I, I'll challenge you to go out to any of the major uh, publications that even have come out by Wizards of the Coast. We are at or above them from a from a illustration standpoint. And I thought that was really important, right? Because that's part of the color palette that we're using to tell to tell a story, right? It helps people can look and, and, and it helps that immersive process. So when I first when I first looked at this, uh, and and full disclosure, uh, my oldest daughter uh, is our art director. Um, she's okay. super super talented, which is why I, uh, I I pegged her for this. I was like, I want to use new artists that nobody's ever seen. Uh, in fact, let's find artists that you know have probably not been published that are really good and. If we're successful, we can be their break, right? And it'll be yeah. a win-win. It'll be a win-win for everybody. And she really jumped all over that. And you know, before long, she was out on all the all, all the art websites and you know, looking for people. And and but the other criteria I said was I want it to be. I want this to be American-made. Oh boy, that that was me showing my age, right? <laughs> and uh, uh, and as it turns out. Uh, although we have, although we have uh, two Americans, part you know on uh, in with our artistic team, we've got 15, uh, 15 contributing artists right now, uh, and only two of them are locals, so to speak. Um, what I have discovered, uh, what's really cool is is we've got contributing artists now on five continents from like eight countries or nine countries, something like that. And uh, thank goodness for, uh, you know, like Microsoft Teams and Google Meet and, and, and video conferencing and the internet because it's like it, it's like these people are right next door to us. Um, and we've yeah. made some and we've made some awesome friends. Uh, and in doing that, We've gotten, you know, they brought some of their friends in, and and that community is is continuing to grow, and and it's also helping us, uh, quite honestly, from a business standpoint, because you know someone who uh, you know may have uh, done some 
you know, done some ca card artwork for, uh, you know, Wizards of the Coast, for instance, um, is going to be super pricey. This has also enabled us to get some artwork and, and get it in a, in a, in a range that, that we, that the project can afford to do. And, you know, I'm a big, you know, we win as a team or we all go down together like the Titanic singing near my God to thee as we slip beneath the waves. Um, <laughs> but if we win together, we win together. And, you know, one of the things that in, in, in building out the team like this, it, it's been a, a mutual success formula. Um, although we pay for every illustration that we put in up front, we also uh, have a royalty plan that we put together with everybody. And we put it together. We didn't even have it together when we started bringing artists on board. We actually got their input. Um, you know, you know, what do you what do you think is fair? And and so it, it's been a great that aspect of it has also been a great collaborative aspect and getting the uh, the input from people from you know different countries uh, a different approach sometimes uh, from a cultural standpoint uh, has both been enriching for the team and I think enriching for the content also and then I, I, I think one of the most unique things is we engage voice artists uh, and everybody's like huh <laughs> I told you that I'm, I'm really about uh, as immersive experience as possible but I still yes. want this to be a tabletop game right I don't want it to be a video game um, uh, I don't want it to be flavored like a video game at all uh, but there is the, uh, there are some extraordinarily popular, um, YouTube channels and, and Twitch, yes, Twitch channels out there that have some incredibly ta mind blowingly talented people, um, playing this game. And, uh, I wish I had more time so I could watch them more often. Um, I do sometimes <laughs> when I'm flying on business cause I'm on a plane and stuck and it just it blows my mind and but i can also see you know i i try to keep my finger kind of like on the pulse of you know conversations and and comments out on social media and it's true if my 14 year old if their first exposure to dungeons and dragons was watching these uh or listening to podcasts or watching these videos and they get together with their friends and they try to recreate that experience they're liable to like run slam into a brick wall of disappointment um, yeah. because they're not pros they're not great voice actors I'm not a great voice actor I'm, I'm horrible at doing accents and so on and so forth um, so I was like well how can how can we try to address that particular problem and uh, in building the website for East Coast Trolls, we wanted to tell a, a, a snippet of the story kind of as a teaser, right? And I wanted to do it from, from an audio standpoint. And, uh, and, and again, went out on like, what is it, Voice, voiceovers.com. Yes, they're great. Right, exactly what the website was. Threw the project out there, put a really detailed description, had a ton of people say yep one in on this and sent reels right on the script that we had sent and we we like uh we auditioned almost i think third 29 or 30 voice artists off of that 
got it narrowed down to six, sent them even more kind of like backstory to help them with their performance. And in the end, we got this great, great performance uh, out, of, out of one particular voice artist. And uh, we mixed it and we listened to it. And I was like, yeah, that's it. This is, this is what we need to do. Because there's always that encounter where you've got a, a major NPC and and the initial part of the encounter is the interplay in between the NPC and, and the party. And a lot of times that starts with a bit of a monologue because you're trying to set the stage. Um, and I said, if we did the monologues and we use professional voice actors um, and had some, you know, a little bit of background music going in there, a little bit of sound effects, so that that setting the stage was done in that fashion that would that would help it would play to people's desire for that you know professional D&D player experience mm-hmm. um within their home game but at the same time those are embedded in the digital editions of the uh of the campaign world and of the Oakhaven anthologies and the actual text is there too along with the backstories and, and the other things, the same things that we provided to the voice actors. So if you're a seasoned dungeon master and you want to do it yourself because you're great with voices or even if you just think you're great with voices, the stuff is all right there. You don't have to use it. It's 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 another tool that you can use to make the game more yours. The English wasn't correct there, but... I, I think we understood what it was. So we're actually starting to run really short of time, but I have one more question for you. Yeah. Uh, I know that you have been doing this for a long time and your kids are involved in with it. Yeah. What do you want to see happen with Capernia and East Coast Trolls as you get older? I kind of see this as a retirement gig and and and, and on, not like, like I'm going to buy my own private island retirement gig, but yeah. just... When I get to that point where I find I have a lot more time on my hands um, and and more time that I can spend um, with with friends and family and so on and so forth, uh, it's just going to give me more opportunity to continue to to add details to this world and and, and to these adventures. My daughter uh, Tori is uh, is a really good DM. Um, one of my sons also and my 14 year old started the D&D club at his middle school and made the mistake of volunteer volunteering and he's at least the forever DM I would imagine until he graduates um <laughs> and uh and all and all this stuff is there for them to use and more importantly there for them to build on um you will see we probably won't post it for another another week or two because we're still playing with uh coloration um but with the world map we're going to get up on our up on our website and uh one of the one of the continents on the world map uh i completely set it aside because hey it's a world and i didn't need it uh and my daughter tori took it and ran with it and and really has a whole other series of uh adventures that that she's set there um, that are very unique and 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 not at all like um, 
uh, not at all like some of the uh, some of the settings and, and encounters that you get in uh, in kind of the main part of Capernaum. So I I know I know they're going to keep using this stuff. I hope uh, I hope I have grandchildren one of these days. Um, I would love to do that. I think that would be an absolute hoot. Being you know before I'm gone, being able to say you know I played a game with my grandparents and then I played it later with my grandchildren. You know, I'm hey, I'm only 55, so you know, I just I, I think it'll be really cool to be one of those people that, you know, quite frankly, I'm I'm one of I'm kind of one of the old timers that's that's hanging on for good or for ill, you know. So, uh, I, I I just it's it's a legacy, uh, and it's a legacy that I'm going to leave to my kids, uh, and they can do with it. Um, as they see fit, because then it will be their world uh, uh, to, to, to grow and their world to play with. And as far as East Coast Trolls go, um, I'd really like to use it to be able to, to get uh, our, our content out there. We have a real love for getting uh, young people uh, into the game, uh, and I'd like to be able to leverage East Coast Trolls uh, to do that. And you know there are other there are other areas of fantasy publishing um, that you know we we may or may not address going down going down the road. It is it is completely up in the air. Um, every once in a while, I roll a twenty sided die, uh, and as long as it's not a natural one, we should be able to keep plugging. That's great. I love to hear that. So, Tom, before we go, yeah, can I get you to tell everybody where we can find you? Yeah, sure. You can find us. <laughs> where can everybody find us? You can find us on the web uh, at eastcoasttrolls.com. Um, and you can, if you uh, look on Twitter, uh, we're there as um, East Trolls. On Instagram, we're East Coast Trolls. Uh, and on Facebook, uh, we're East Coast Trolls. So, uh, and and if you run into any of those, uh, you'll probably find our Linktree account, uh, which will bring you to uh, every place that you either wanted to be or didn't want to be uh, that has to do <laughs> with our with our merry band of mischief makers here. Perfect. As always, everybody, those are going to be linked down in the description. Tom, thank you so much for coming onto the show tonight. I'm really excited to do this again in a couple weeks or a couple months once we get there. Yeah, I really appreciate the uh, the invite, uh, and and it's been great uh, sharing this with you. And I look forward to the next time we can get together and uh, do some like deep dive into content and sneak peek behind the scenes kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that too. Cool. So, Tom. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Audience. Oh, you're welcome. Audience, thank you for listening tonight. Tom and East Coast Trolls, they're scheduled to launch real soon. So pay attention and you'll hear from me when they get there. Have a good night. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much to Tom for coming on to the show this week. I know we didn't get much of a chance to go over the content of the actual book, but it's getting ready. It's going to be back on Kickstarter soon. Tom and I felt that it would be a bit too much to cover in one episode, so we're going over the history first. A part two will be coming out in the future, so look forward to that. 
Once again, though, thank you everyone for your continued support. Interacting with you all has been absolutely wonderful, and I'm really excited to hear more from you. Next week's episode will be out on August 17th, where Matt, creator of the zombie tabletop role-playing game, Daystirt, will come and tell us about his game. Can't wait for you to hear that one. Take care and have a good week.